0: From our changing bodies to our relationships to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving, and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that I have never talked about in the podcast before, but I was delighted when my guest today approached me to talk about younger women and menopause. Not maybe so much from the perspective of younger women who go through menopause early, but our perceptions and why aren't younger women talking about menopause maybe at all. So my guest today is Louise Erskine. She's a poet, she's a photographer and a content creator. Welcome to the show, Louise. Thank you so much. Louise, I'm really fascinated, first and foremost, about what made you reach out, as you said in in our earlier conversation, to a podcast that you might not have normally reached out to to be a guest on
1: so no yes i um, I normally talk about domestic abuse, but I saw your podcast um, and I just it got me thinking, you know, like I've done a few things on Instagram around like period research and opening the conversation up in terms of why that's necessary, um why we should all be speaking about it, why it shouldn't be this like hidden, embarrassing sort of thing that we just ignore, and also the kind of knock on effect from how good period research actually ultimately encourages and makes it more likely for us to have equality in the workplace. Like if, as women, we have the resources available to us to manage our hormones better, also like our cramps and, you know, things like CBD tampons that are going to stop you being in agony in bed for two days are only a positive thing in terms of being able to still go into work, which means that it's much harder for employers to, use that as a reason why you don't deserve the same wages as like a male counterpart. And I think it's really important in that. And I just thought with all of this research and all of the conversation opening up, why are we still not talking about menopause? Yeah, that's a really good point,
0: isn't it? I've never had the conversation. And that's you've never had the conversation with
1: a younger woman. No, and not even older women. I mean, I've like known older women go through it and... You sort of see them every now and then. The one thing that sticks out in my mind is I remember my neighbor used to get really, really hot flashes. And I remember it was around Christmas time. And I remember her just standing in the garden in a T-shirt, like picking up handfuls of snow and putting them on her neck. She was just so hot. But even the women that are going through it in my life still don't talk about it. It just seems to be like a really unnecessarily taboo subject that people sort of sweep under the rug and, and then I think it becomes this kind of scarier bigger thing in your mind because there's just not anybody saying anything no and is
0: that general I mean are younger women either not saying anything or as you say no one talks about it so it's not something that young women are really that aware of
1: I think it's it's a combination of both I think a lot of us, we like to push it to the back of our minds, like especially when you're still having children or you have young children, you know, you just think, oh, it's so far away. But realistically, like it's it's not that far away. And you're still going to be caring for your children whilst you're going through it. It's actually a lot closer than I, th- I think, especially when I look at how fast the last decade of my parenting life has gone. I can't expect the next decade to go any slower. And that will take me right into my mid to late 40s. And potential menopause so I just think it's I just think it's something that shouldn't be as hidden as it is and that women should be especially I think in our sort of mid to late 30s if we start talking about it now by the time it comes we might actually have a bit of information and be ready for it
0: yes I totally agree and I think that's that's the one thing is that you're echoing what I hear a lot, you know. So I reach out to women, and some of them say, "What are you asking me for? I'm only forty, and I, I've just had a baby a few years ago. I couldn't possibly be in in anywhere near menopause, you know." Sorry, come back in ten years. And I think that's quite frightening, actually, because as you said, it can be happening in your mid to late forties, and that's there before you know it, and you've done nothing to be prepared for it.
1: No, and I mean this is the thing, and I. I mean, I literally have absolutely no clue, you know, like, what do I go to the doctor? Do, you know, like I literally would have absolutely no idea. Short of like, being like, oh, my period's gotten a little bit erratic. I'm not sure I would even twig that that was what the problem was until I was quite a way into it. I think unless you get the really obvious symptoms, the hot flashes and the things that you have heard about, but if there are other symptoms, like, I don't know what they are. And I just think it's something to be prepared for as if you know everything you can expect, and also like the ways that people manage it. If people start talking about things that they found helpful, whether it's a change in their, their diet or like a supplement that they took, then it's I just uh, knowledge is power, isn't it? And I just think opening up the conversation and discussing it, whether it's because it's hard or because it's scary or because actually there are some really simple things you can do to make it easier for yourself, then that's a really important conversation to have. It's the not knowing that I think encourages us to stay quiet and sort of sweep it under the rug a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a
0: huge drive to have menopause front and centre, as we've seen on Channel 4 with the This is Davina. And obviously, there's been this huge thing outside parliament yesterday and yet that's interesting that maybe that doesn't filter through to other age groups we've kind of got so many other things in our social feeds and that we're watching on netflix and more That it never reaches younger women i don't know what what's your perception of that is
1: honestly no like i didn't even know about the Davino show until you had mentioned it before i think the thing is especially when you have like younger children so like my youngest is three now I mean your day is you're so used to watching like you just have kids tv on in the background and if I do watch anything in the evening normally I'm still up last night I was still I was baking a cake and doing laundry at like 10 o'clock until I passed out don't have time and you don't think on a to like sit and just listen to normal tv I don't watch adverts because we have like Netflix and we have sky plus and all of these things like you just I, I don't know i think most people i certainly record something and then watch it later so i can fast forward through all the adverts and we have podcasts and we create playlists so there's not even it's very rare unless i'm in the car and even then i normally listen to like an audio book or i have something on for the kids you know that i, I don't even really catch the news generally and um, people don't read newspapers anymore it's online feed and then mine you know, selects things it thinks I'll be interested in based on your internet history, doesn't it? So unless you literally are searching for menopause, there's very little chance of it just accidentally kind of filtering into your subconscious kind of during the day.
0: Absolutely. And that means that there are literally millions and millions of women in your age group who are coming closer to the menopause who haven't got a clue. that. So all the information that we're sort of popping out there never reaches the younger women.
1: Well, no, that's exactly why I wanted to do this, because I sort of could have quite easily scrolled past it. And I think I did. And then I sort of scrolled back again. And I was like, actually, maybe this is important for me to put on my social media, because all of the women are in my position. And to just really start to open that conversation up a little bit in the mid 30s, kind of age group. And I mean, as well, if you're prepared, Even if you're thinking it's going to be 15, 20 years away, you, you know, like people get early onset menopause. Like if you have the information and you are somebody who gets it early, at least you know what you're facing and you can start to ask questions and keep track of your own body a little bit more. And so you can go to the doctor and have something to take with you and be armed with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of an idea how you want to deal with it it just feels very taboo. And I just really think even if nothing else comes from it, I would just like women to not be afraid to speak about it. Yeah.
0: And I'm, you know, that's obviously my passion that I wish that I had known. I mean, I'm 61 now, but my God, I wish that I had known this 30, maybe 25 years ago, and certainly a good 10 years before, because I might have been ready for it, as you said, and I was kind of like, I didn't even know what, menopause was, perimenopause had never heard of, and kind of blindly ignored it till I wasn't able to ignore it anymore.
1: No, I think that's exactly it. And I mean, and because everybody, everybody's body is so different. I mean, I know my mom had it, but she literally just stopped getting her period and had very little else. But then also, I mean, I wasn't prepared really for my periods based off of my mom because she had no bother with them. Whereas I was in bed for days, like cramping. I was vomiting. It was so painful. I passed out a couple of times where it was so painful. And so I'm very aware, I guess, because of that, that my body does not behave the same way that hers did. And I think also because of that, then also my pregnancies. I mean, my mum never had any kind of pregnancy sickness, any hormonal trouble when she was pregnant, whereas I have had complicated hypermetic pregnancies, which is all, again, the same group of hormones that aren't behaving very well. And I just think I can't expect for my body to just behave the way that hers did or the way that somebody else's did. And I need to understand the different ways in which I might get something, so that I'm. I just mentally am prepared. I think more than anything, it's the fear of the unknown so much these days. I think with with a lot of things. I
0: agree that I think that if you're not aware of it, it can become a big thing. And I've been hearing now that younger women who know something about it are actually very concerned and very frightened about it. And it can be difficult, but I'm not sure we get across the message that there are 20% of women who are a bit like your mum, who kind of, well, don't breeze through it, but it certainly isn't as hard as maybe we see in the media either.
1: I think the thing is as well, is where we don't hear women talking about it, if you do want to find out about it, you like Google it and just Googling any kind of medical condition is always a bad idea. You go starting off thinking that you've got like a headache and by the end of page three, you're pretty convinced you're dying. And like it's just, you just need just real people talking about real experiences, you know, whatever they were, whether they had headaches or whether they had hot flashes or whether their periods just got heavy at Roll Lighter or were just irregular, whatever it is, just knowing about it takes so much of the fear out of it and that's really just what I wanted to achieve with this is just to get people thinking a little bit and to have it be a little bit less of the sort of big scary thing in the back of the cupboard that we shut the door on until it jumps out at us. yeah
0: exactly I mean if I ask you what do you think women of your age believe about menopause if anything at all
1: I honestly I don't know I think hot flashes are the thing that people expect but to be honest I think most of us just somewhat refuse to even think about it.
0: Yeah, so it's just something that we sort of sit there and go, "Oh, well, I don't because I'm busy with other things," or maybe maybe you think it's just not relevant to you right now.
1: Yeah, it's just like you know, like I'll deal with it when I get to it. But when you get to it, you know, like it's a bit late then, really. In a lot of ways, if you'd have had the information before, you could have eased yourself into getting it and been prepared. And I think, I just think, yeah, I don't know. I don't do very well with unknowns. I like to know the things and not have them sort of blindside me. I don't cope very well with that feeling of being like blindsided. I would just, I would like personally just to have an idea of all the different ways it could go. And then when my body starts to change and to adjust, then I think I've just got like an earlier inclination of what's happening and whether I do need to like take something to help balance my hormones out or control the hot flashes or whatever is available I mean I don't even know what is available I know there is something that people go to the doctor for but I don't know what it is or what it does I just know that they go and they get it
0: yeah yeah and and I'm sure Louise you're not at all alone in this and I mean I suppose I'm really thinking about you talked about menstruation earlier do you think that is a way that conversation can start for for women because women have periods they know about these how do we find a way in is our periods a way into this conversation
1: yeah i think they definitely are i feel like you know with there's a lot more going on with periods at the minute with things like period safe underwear and you know i mentioned before like the cbd tampons and also people talking about period poverty and girls that can't go to school and all of this things like it's a global conversation that is slowly opening up. And I think it's a really natural progression to take that forward then and say, well, you know, if you weren't able to go into work because of your period being so bad, what about when your period stops, but you're literally like dripping with sweat and you can't get on the tube to go into your office or, you know, like, I think it it should be like a quite a natural progression. And it's definitely a way I think I would use the current increase in conversation around periods and period research to take that further and to gain a little bit more traction and a little bit more sort of openness and understanding about you know because getting your period that's not the end of it that's that's sort of the middle part of the journey and then you have to deal with menopause at the end of your kind of reproductive journey and it's it's every bit as different for every woman and every bit as effective and every bit as scary and unknown I'd imagine I think for me as you know like when you're 12 when you're waiting to get your period and you don't know what it's going to be like it's a bit like that when you sort of have this sense I think when you're 12 you have this sense of you know oh some of my friends have got their period and I want to get it because I want to like be a woman and I want to grow up and I think for me also there's probably like an emotional side of getting menopause which I think you know because I remember the first time I got the contraceptive implant, I cried all the way home. And I knew it was ridiculous, but I just was like, I felt like, I, because I couldn't, ha- I felt like I couldn't have children anymore. And I know it was like, it was my choice and it was a conscious one and I'm very glad I made it. But there was this sort of, this like subconscious part of me that was sort of like grieving that my body wasn't going to do what it was built to do anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that I had to face accepting and feeling again even though I don't want any more children, like it's, I don't know, it was a very, it was a bit weird. And it might just be me being a nutbag. That's thats hard to say. But I, um, I imagine that there is some emotional confliction with it when you get there, regardless of your circumstances, just if nothing else, because it's hormonal and your hormones just make you cry for no reason if they want to. I think there's just, there's so many things that we don't consider and that we need to.
0: Yes, very true. And I mean, even as you were talking there, I was thinking, oh, are there tampons with CBD in it? Because obviously that's something I haven't, you know, had to think about now for about 10 years. So I'm out the loop there, which is kind of a bit like it you know, women, younger women and menopause in reverse, <laughs> you know, once it doesn't come in my feed. And obviously I'm talking to younger women because either they've been through a very early menopause, which is very traumatic for those women, or we're actually having conversations to engage younger women in this sort of continuum of women's reproductive health. But um, no, see, so there you are. I learned something new in this conversation.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh. That's my job done then. I'm out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but very, very true. I mean, that could still be very valuable to women who are going through their menopause change to know that because, you know, our periods don't stop for many, many years, maybe 10, and we can still have them even if they get less and lighter after they've quite possibly been very heavy. But it's so good to know that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I like, I mean, post-having children, my my periods would always be lighter and less cramping I used to clot a lot so I had really intense cramping especially when I was younger before I had children but then the longer I have gone you know after having a baby so my son is almost four now my youngest you know that they were steadily starting to get crampier again and hormonally I was getting like you know the two days before where I could genuinely have just I hated all of humanity. I just did not want to speak to a single person or have anyone near me. And while I was waiting, because this was during the pandemic, I needed to go and get the implant. I, I started using the CBD tampons that were recommended to me. And I have to say, like, I, was, I didn't really think that they could make that much difference to the amount of pain that I was in. And I was so shocked. I mean, I still was aware, like my kidneys and my uterus were still like a bit sore, but more, more like uncomfortable. And I was genuinely shocked that I wasn't physically like in pain. And I also know that people take it in different ways for their hormones during their period. And I haven't tried that, I possibly should. And um, but I have the implant now to sort of regulate my emotional two days before my period. But like that's making a lot of difference. And also I wonder, you know, if that will help you hormonally during your period. Maybe it will help you hormonally During menopause, I think there's going to be a lot of crossover with the two subjects like there has to be, I think.
0: Yeah, there has to be because it's all about our bodies and definitely I do know that there is a lot of discussion and even use of CBD to help manage many of the symptoms of menopause which can be very painful as well as also the mental side, the emotional side of menopause and CBD is very helpful in in being calming and supporting of the way we feel if we feel very anxious or stressed. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you is there's obviously a big campaign, which you maybe as a younger woman are un- unaware of, to get menopause onto the school curriculum. I think it's actually going to be part of the high school curriculum now. I mean, as a younger woman, do you think that that is something that's going to have traction with young women, at, teenage women at school, or will it just bypass them? Do
1: you know, what? I think there's a saying I love, and it's scattered seeds still grow you know, like you could drop, you know, like when you see the poppies going up the side of the road, they've just blown there in the wind. And then all these years later, they're still coming back. And I definitely don't think there's any harm at all in talking to younger people about it. Not only because I think, especially when they do do, I know they separate boys and girls a lot for some of the talks, but I think, actually, I think it's really important to talk to both boys and girls about these things. And also, even if it somewhat bypasses them at the time, that seed has gone in there. And later on, you don't know what your mind's going to recall from a situation, you know, like, even if it is years and years down the line, I just think it's, yeah, that's, that saying is literally one of my favorites. There's so many ways in which I do think like scattered seeds still grow. If you've put it out there and it's gone into your mind, you can recall it when you need it. Even if you don't think about it again for the next 15 years or 30 years or whatever it is, I think you've, you suddenly look back and you go, oh, yeah, do you know what? I remember a lady coming in and talking to me about this at school and telling me about how she had been affected by menopause. And I think especially there's power in our stories in not just having a clinical, you know, like a little PowerPoint display. I think actually having people talk about it, having people come in to like PSE lessons or whatever it is and discuss, you know, the things that they've been through, especially with young girls, be that sex, be that periods, be that you know, like any kind of, there's so many options, you know, there's a lot of discussion around some of the dangers in dating culture. And I don't think young people acknowledge those either, but there's power in having somebody come in and just tell you their story. And if somebody was in and they told you about menopause and how that affected them and their body changes, even if it doesn't mean anything to you at the time, you will remember that. And that's that's an important key in helping you to understand what you're going through later
0: on. Yeah, I I actually really love that. That's a real content creator's approach to it as well, that it doesn't become, you know, sort of facts, because all I can remember was that sex education was tedious at school, and I'm sure it's probably not. (laughs) Like
1: a cartoon, like a terrible, terrible cartoon It was absolutely awful. It was in no way preparatory at all. It was just ridiculous. Oh my goodness. And I'm, and I, that's, you know, and I think
0: the power of stories and having people come in, and I know they do that around drugs and alcohol. So I, I would love to see that become part of talking about menstruation and menopause that we actually share a lot more about what we go through, not just bad, but good and what to expect and how, you know, we as younger women can prepare ourselves. So I love that.
1: Absolutely. And even, you know, like within that, like people's birth stories, all of tying in all of those things together. I remember like everybody just I only ever heard people say, oh, you know, like how painful it was. And I remember just saying it was just like a like a friend of, of a friend, I think. And it wasn't really like particularly familiar with her, And you know, like about my birth. And she was pregnant after I'd had my first one. And I said, yeah, but you know what? Actually, it was the most beautiful thing I have ever experienced. And she said, I've never heard anyone say that before, like I've only ever heard them say what drugs they had, that they needed an epidural, that it went wrong, that something happened, and you hear all the horror stories, and I'm like, yes, it was just genuinely painful, I genuinely wasn't sure I could I could even do it at one point, but I wouldn't change a second of it for the world, because it was so incredibly beautiful at the same time, and just having that's such a powerful thing, to just hear somebody's personal experience, and you know, Your period might be painful and it might make you grumpy and unpleasant to be around. But it's also a vehicle that allows you to experience, you know, when the time's right for you, bringing life into the world. And that's an incredible thing. And menopause is also a really useful thing where you don't have to take contraception anymore afterwards. (laughs) Like, You know, you've got to talk about like, even if they're just silly things, I think you've just got to talk about the upsides as well, because there are a lot of upsides to that.
0: Yeah, to all of it, actually. You know, you're you're so right that without menstruation, there isn't even the opportunity to become mothers. I mean, we're not we're not able to when we're younger, rightly so. But but also that you said, talked about birth, and I can remember my part of my giving birth to my son was thinking, "Is this not over yet? Is he not born yet? Could could you do some drugs now?" She went, "I was a little bit late for that." Now she said, "You're just have to push." But then you're right; when he was born, there was just this immense feeling of, of joy. And it was so beautiful. And there was this little special person that was given to you within seconds of him coming into the world. And then, as you say, menopause is, can be very difficult, but not for every woman. And then suddenly we're here. We're free in a completely different way. And for many women, it's the first time that they're able to say, well, I'm putting me first in their lives, because, you know, suddenly our children are grown up, and we have control over our, our own bodies in a very different way. Uh, and and that's very, a very strong and empowering experience.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, especially if you do, if you've had awful periods, like mine you know, I've learned to manage them as I've gotten older. But at 15, when I was like waiting to be collected by my mum throwing up in the bushes trying to walk out of school because I was doubled over in pain. The idea of one day not having to deal with that anymore was actually very appealing, you know, and it's just there's so many this I love that you said like how empowering it is and that you finally get to be completely in control of your body in a new way. It's just one less thing to like to manage and I'm I have so much going on I could do with that. I think there's so many upsides that people just don't consider and the freedom of You're at that stage in your life where most likely your children are older and they're independent and you're no longer, you know, like pinned down, not just emotionally and physically, but also like your own body will let you, if you, you don't have to worry if you want to go away and explore somewhere that it's going to be a bad time of the month to do it or that your cycle is going to change if you book it in advance. And then by the time, you know, because I, I certainly think about if I was booking like a beach holiday and it was a year away. We try and factor in, well, if my if my period's, you know, like two days earlier each month, you know, that, what way is that going to fit? Because I don't want to be on a beach somewhere bloated and cramping and having to run to the toilet every 15 minutes. Like, and it's, there's a whole level of freedom in that and not having to worry about the things that you've spent your whole life virtually micromanaging. And I just think we need to tell people all the exciting parts of the freedom you can have once you're older and it's not just something to be scared of it's actually something that is really empowering as a woman yeah and that's magical
0: it is magical and and bringing that i think to younger women can break a lot of the the fear-based conversation that is is growing the lack of feeling that you have power over this
1: absolutely is and i think you can do so much to make it easier on yourself and to to just be prepared for it, and to just literally just talking about it, just even if all that comes from this is that people hear it and they go, "Hey, do you know what? I'm going to actually ask my mum or my grandmother about what it was like for them," or you know, like and just stop treating. It's it's almost like a dirty little secret that nobody nobody talks about because it's a bit icky, or you know, like which is how periods have very much been treated in the course of history, and that's finally starting to change, and people are accepting that. No, do you know what? Actually, my period is a fully natural and in its own way beautiful thing because it enables me it's the reason that my body can produce life. It shouldn't be considered this dirty, horrible little secret that I have to be ashamed of. And I think that's the same for menopause. Do you know what? Menopause is almost like your body finally gets to say, hey, do you know what? I can give myself a break now. It's like a gateway to that whole other level of freedom you were talking about. You know, like I've I've had my children and I've I've done what I need to do. And I can, I can take a minute and take a breath. And, you know, like, I think that's, that's just, it is an incredibly empowering situation. And if, if all that comes from this is that people just start to talk about it a little bit, that's, that's actually enough.
0: Yeah. And I think we touched on the importance of, of stories in all of this, that finding ways to connect through the generations with stories would be an incredibly powerful way forward.
1: It absolutely is. Especially, I think, with teenagers, there's so much scope and their minds are just these like huge, great big sponges. And I think if you can get to them early and have them just accept and understand that it's normal and not something to worry about or something to be ashamed of, that it's something every single woman is going to have to deal with. And also the boys, that's something that you know your wives your mothers your sisters whoever is around you they're going to have to deal with that and you you being ignorant isn't and pretending it's not your problem isn't going to help anybody you know a supportive partner is incredible like especially i think when you start dating someone and i remember my friend had started dating someone you know and he and she said and she, they were supposed to go out and she got her period and she was feeling so ill and she canceled it and instead of making a fuss, you know, like he went out and bought a bar of chocolate and a box of tampons and just dropped them at the door. Oh, that's so nice. And well, this is it. Like, and it's so rare though. Boys as well, just they think, oh, it's embarrassing. And we're not supposed to talk about it. Like, well, why not? The people in your life are going through this. It's helpful for all of us to know what's going on and what needs to be discussed. And so that we can be there for each other and to help each other.
0: Yeah. And that goes very much for, as you've talked about, the equality in the workplace as well, that around menstruation and menopause, we just need more conversation.
1: We absolutely do.
0: Yeah. And if you had to say to somebody how, apart from telling stories, what would be the biggest piece of information you would like to know as a younger woman about menopause?
1: I guess what to expect like I think how did it start you know because I don't think the hot flashes and things are like the start of it I presume that you start to just notice little changes in your body but I think it's helpful to just say actually you know like you aren't maybe necessarily hit over the head with it like because like you said you know this can be like a 10-year slowing down process it's not like I think we sort of think of it about almost like being unwell for a while but it's almost just like an extension of having your period. Like it can take a really some people get it and it's, you know, it's over with quite quickly. But it can be quite a long process and it can be erratic. And I think just being prepared for how it's gonna how it's gonna start is quite a big part of it.
0: I think that's really, really valuable. And do you think that social media is the place to connect women or do you think there are other spaces that we can explore? Blogs or or podcasts to to reach younger women?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I think, I mean, if you're looking to specifically reach young people, I think it's probably a combination of, you know, getting key influences that young people look up to to open up that conversation. Also then in older, but not old enough for menopause women, like a peer-to-peer conversation starting to happen on social media is very easy. I do think it should be on the curriculum. I think it should be something that, we should be actually face-to-face having conversations with kids about under the whole, you know, I think it should be encompassed in that whole kind of sex ed umbrella where they they give you the, the talk about, you know, about getting your period and what that means. And I think if they did that in a way that was actually engaging with people actually talking about how their body changed and what they went through and what it was like, and the good bits and the bad bits and all of it, the ugly bits, just throwing it all in together and actually just talking about their own experience rather than just a very clinical scientific approach to it that I think we're guilty of quite a lot of the time that that could be that's incredibly powerful you can't ever beat you know the power of somebody else's story and you can't argue with I think that's the thing like with factual information you can look at it and go oh yeah, but you know, that's for some people, and it's not for other people, or I won't get it like that, or whatever it isn't. There's a lot of ways, but when someone tells you something that happened to them, that's, you have to take that exactly as it is, and that's what makes it that much more powerful. And because it's such a taboo subject, you know, I think there's this Brené Brown quote that I love, and it possibly comes back to as why I talk about domestic exp- uh, abuse so much, and it's, she just says that when we share our stories, shame loses its grip of us. And I think if it's a if it's a subject that we traditionally or culturally tend to treat like something to be ashamed of, as we start to talk about it, it loses that power and we can embrace it and be ready for it and actually find a way to enjoy it because that's a decade of your life. You don't want to live in fear of it. You've got to, you've got to embrace it and find it empowering and overcome it and manage it and look at all of the ways in which actually the process is making your life better, not worse. Exactly. I love that. And of course, I love Breno Brown.
0: So, I mean, that's a very powerful quote. And also that, you know, if we could do that across the generations, I think we are with menstruation and menopause and better sex ed, that's done in a way that's maybe more relevant to younger people, as well as to older women, then we actually open up communication across the age groups, across boundaries that seem very big today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, even just, you know, if it's women in my age bracket, thinking about it now and starting to talk to each other, by the time they're getting to it, the conversation kind of opened up enough that then maybe we talk to our children about it. Like, if I hadn't had this conversation, I probably certainly wouldn't have thought about my daughter who, well, she's like five now, I don't need to discuss it with her. But, you know, like when she's 15 and she's talking about sex and periods and all of these things, I'm going to be like, yeah. And do you know what else? Mummy's going through menopause right now. And that's an extension of that. And, you know, and just for me to open up that conversation, to ask questions of the women generationally above me, and then to also transfer my knowledge and my experience in an open and a lighter way um, so that it isn't such a big, scary thing that's kind of looming in the future. It's just a normal part of Like womanhood and growing up with our children and the next generation, and just for parents, even just to be ready to have those conversations alongside of. We all worry about having to have the the birds and the bees discussion. And, like, but it's so much broader than that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I had a wish for myself, I'd love to not have to have this podcast in 20 years' time because actually we are able ourselves to have this conversation, you know, that that this is not something we have to say, oh, gosh, we must have a conversation. It's our daughters and our granddaughters are, are, this is part of life. They know about it. We talk about it. It's part of being a woman and there's nothing strange or weird about any of those things that go on with our body that are part of us being a female about producing life and going on to become a an older woman who supports us even though we don't have any more children
1: I really love the way that you just said that like it was genuinely a positive thing for you to actually have been so good at your job that you ultimately make yourself redundant like that is life goals right there
0: yeah that's a pretty big life goal
1: (laughs) Yeah. Louise, I just love
0: that you reached out to me, that you came on and wanted to have this conversation. And I I hope that my listeners here, that you hear this. And if you have a younger sister, a daughter, a niece, a goddaughter, whatever, that you also share this with them and, and begin conversations because we change things one conversation at a time. So Louise, thank you so much for being such a great guest.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really genuinely excited to also just to share this conversation and get out there and get people talking.
0: Absolutely. So if people want to connect with you, know more about the work you do, Louise, how do they do that?
1: The easiest way is probably on Instagram. I have two accounts and there's underscores in between all of the words on both of them. Um, I have like a family sort of women's kind of connective Instagram um, that's called This Beautifully Defected Life. And then I have another account where I write that's called Beautifully Defective Poetry. Oh, that's
0: fabulous. We'll put those into the show notes. Thank you.
1: Amazing. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions, why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom you matter to me. Your feedback, opinions, and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at Christensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who is, feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, ClarissaChristianson.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one to one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening.
1: McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburger. Today's review the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.